Waitman over his head. Cody Waitman's kicked a miracle goal. Looking for Vandermeer. He can go all the way. Straight man to hit the front. For 10 goals, they call him Bruce. Bruce. Can score? Towards goal. Barry Smith. Has he got the dots in on the final? Bontempelli to seal the game. He's got it. Welcome to the Salty Bulldog, the podcast that spent Saturday afternoon watching Elvis Presley in the movie Girls, 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 and then spent Saturday night watching its sequel, Goals, Goals, Goals. My name is Matthew Donald. I've got Nick Galea with me in the studio, the Salty Bulldog studio, as I do every other week. Just before I get to Nick, got to go through the many places where you can access the Salty Bulldog podcast and its social media channels as well. Of course, Apple, Spotify, and the footy live at Vice Sports Mate are three of the places where you can download the Salty Bulldog podcast. And be sure to check out our social media channels as well. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and our website as well. www.thesaltybulldog.wixsite.com forward slash home. Nick, as I welcome you to the program, the Western Bulldogs this year just continue to just keep us a little bit interested. Every week we write them off as not being able to make finals, but... And they put together a performance that just keeps us still, still a little interested. Mm. Uh, hello, Matthew, and hello to everyone out there. Uh, what did I make mention was it's on our most recent episode on Friday night or whenever it was, uh, saying that it was very similar to, you know, Russell Crowe and Gladiator. Are you not entertained? And I tell you, we certainly were entertained uh, with the game played on Saturday nights. That, as you say, goals, goals, goals. My God, that was interesting to watch, uh, depending on the perspective that you look at it. Uh, very, very pleasing, though, to see, yes, our forward line click against a side not named Essendon, North Melbourne or West Coast this year. So it is a bit pleasing in that sense where we've probably, what have we done this year, actually? We've kicked, let's see if I can find some other numbers on that. Uh, yep. Where are we? We've kicked How some reasonably big scores this we year. Have. Well, while you're going through that, I might just go through the numbers uh, here from what took place on Saturday night. We do that every I week. Can't, but I just can't believe we kicked nine goals one or nine goals two of the first half. Nine, nine, just... Yep, yeah, nine goals one, then became uh, 10 goals 10. So it was 19 Indeed, 11. Of course it did. Oh, of course it did. 19 11, 125, the Bulldogs, the Giants, 16 9, 105. It's the highest combined score for the year, I believe. Uh, that is correct. 230 points. Points, yes. I don't know who's got the, uh, the previous heist for this year, but uh, yeah, that'll do. Waitman and Norton each kicked five. Waitman kicked all of his in the first half. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about him, no doubt. And Aaron Norton moved his way up to fifth in the Coleman medal, I believe, uh, on the weekend off of his uh, Hall of Five. The only other multiple goal kicker, which is, I don't know how you want to take this inside, that kicked 19 goals. Riley West kicked two. The, they're the only three players who will kick multiple goals for the Bulldogs. Williams, Bonsampelli. McNeil, Scott, Eugle, Hagen, McCray, and Dunkley, each getting one goal apiece. That was a very fine goal by Scott, wasn't it? It was a really good goal. That was, that was, that was actually a beautiful kick. You know, actually, just um, just before very I get to the disposals, that coming along. just before I, before I get to the disposals, it felt very similar to Trelaw's goal against the Giants last year, just on the opposite flank. Trelaw's one was better in a more fluent motion. I enjoyed that. We enjoyed the goal very much when we attended last year yeah. uh, in Canberra. Scott's one, I don't know, it's not that it uh, defied his ability because he is a neat player, 
But, jeez, he absolutely kicked the leather off that one, didn't he? That was, that was a terrific goal. It was a very good kick as well. Much further out, I think, than, than Trelaw's running goal oh, last year. Yes, Trelaw was very enjoyable to watch. That was uh, beautiful. Uh, McRae with 37 disposals. Trelaw, we just mentioned, 31. Bontempelli, 28. Dunkley, 27. Liberatore, who I thought had a really good game, actually, 26 disposals. Dale and Daniel I'd with 25. Him, I'd give him the best for us, personally. Liber. I would, I would have given Liber the, and the, our equivalent of you know 10 salty bulldog votes to how it is, but that's just me. Uh, Dale and Daniel with 25. English with 23. We'll speak about English. We'll speak about English every week, so we'll, we'll no doubt get to him eventually. Uh, Jack McRae with seven coaches' votes. Norton with six. Waitman with five. English and Liber each picked up one apiece. Coaches think otherwise to me, don't they? There you go. So no, we, I thought Liber was actually brilliant, to be honest. He he, he was, he he was he was excellent. Where, it would, where would he be sitting? I know he had, a, of course, a slow start to the year, but um, let's just say if we were doing the equivalent of the Charles Sutton over the last ten respective weeks, not the you know, collective season, yep. where would he be sitting? Well, this is this is interesting. I've, I've often thought about who's actually leading the Charles Sutton mm-hmm. count. Who's going to win it this year? Because it's, all the this is the best chance for McRae, isn't it? It, it is a lot of sort of chance to do so. It feels like a bit of a, it feels like a bit of a Stephen Bradbury uh, moment for him because everyone else who's shot into contention has fallen out of contention just for the fact that they've missed games. Uh, English would have been up there. Bailey Smith would have been up there. Bontempelli would have been a, a favourite to win at the start of the year. Obviously, Hunter hasn't um, hasn't played much football this year. Mm. I suppose so you could leaves, make a case for, for Norton, potentially. Norton as an option. It leaves Dunkley for the most part. It leaves, well, we'll see if Smith, even though he missed some games, but it also leaves Bailey Dale as it a candidate does, as actually. well. Actually, that's one I hadn't thought of, Bailey Dale. He's been very good this year. Where would Liber finish? He's had some really good games, some really strong ones where he's been right up amongst the best on ground. I don't know if he's done it often enough, though, to really challenge for for a best and fairest award, though. Mm, not for maybe not for the award itself, but it's interesting because you mentioned there Libba's either had some really great games or not poor games, but in terms of no, what no. think that he's capable of. He's not been poor this year. They've just been they've just been reasonable because, games, but not mm, not standout mm, ones. No, but it's interesting that the other players in that mix, or you know, between him and so, they themselves haven't had great games, but they haven't had poor games. They've just had solid middling game so it's not like he's yeah. losing ground in that respect hmm. probably I'd be, I'd, i'll say sixth at this point six six or seventh it's probably quite reflective of where the the side is as a whole where we are on the ladder like we haven't played terribly in a lot of games they've just sort of been a very meh sort of performances like i mean how many times would you say this year we've played really badly uh let's have a look there haven't Let's, been many. Are you, talk, are you talking a collective as a, as a team? Yeah, as a team. Are you no, talking the a, whole game or quarter? Well, you've got you've got to put the whole game into it. Uh, I'll put the whole game. Then that's the Crows match for one. Yeah, that's a that's the only real. But I know where you're game. going with that one. You're also because you, you were also going to say the first quarter against Geelong. I imagine. Yeah, and what else can we say? Is there anything else we could probably add into that? Would we say the second and third terms technically against Richmond? We didn't play bad. We just didn't do anything with it. Well, I was going to say the second, the quarter, second against quarter against Carlton. Yeah, and the first quarter against Melbourne. That was a that was not disastrous, part. but it but it was but it was pretty bad until that last minute. Yeah, 
I think that's what that's really what's let has let us down. There's been quarters rather than games of football. But even in those, even up. even with those quarters, there have been other quarters in those games of football where we've played very well. But just haven't for for whatever reason, and you know, I think we Here all we know go. it's probably because of inaccurate goal kicking, haven't been able to capitalize. We've got uh, yes, you, you love um, we all love our inaccurate goal kicking, and we all will enjoy this here. Uh, so quarters though, uh, we've obviously had. Uh, 62 quarters for the year. Okay. Uh, we have won 31 of them. 21 have been losses in that sense. Uh, we've kicked 52 goals, 45 for 357 points, conceding 41, 31, 277 for a percentage of a tick below 129. We've won nine of our 13 first terms. Pretty good. Okay. Let's go over to the second and third quarters where it starts to uh, mellow out, but not by much, but, um, Okay, seven and six record there, 33-42. There's our lovely and accurate goal kicking. 240, come up against 34-34, 238 with a percentage a tick below 101. Okay, so clearly first term is much better than the second, first of all. Uh, we jump to the thirds. Third term, eight and five, 48-33, 321 to 36-24, 240 percentage. Again, just a tick below 134. And then we go to the fourth, seven and six, 46, 33, 309 to 41, 34, 280, 110.36%. So it seems like we're pretty consistent in terms of where we can see goals, which is you know anywhere between, um, what's this roughly going to be? Three, three to four per, uh, per turn. Our good quarters, we generally can kick anywhere between five and six and our Poor quarters, uh, we can anywhere between, again, one and two. So this is uh, something to work with there, I reckon, clearly. I think it's, I think that that backs up what we feel in terms mm. of just a hundred, middle, how we've played it? this season. Yeah. yeah. Like we've Second not and quite... fourth terms, so-so. Yeah. Nothing too drastic, but, you know, a percentage on average for second and fourths is about 105 and then you compare the average for the first and the third. We haven't dominated third terms by any means, but, you know, it's still around that 130 mark, you know, roughly every, what's that? Every, what is it? Six points the opposition gets, will kick eight and a bit, give or take, which is yeah. you know, pretty solid enough, you know, and that's enough to record at least a four-goal win, yeah. give or take. But uh, I think that it also reflects in the fact that we've not played bad games, we've played bad quarters. And when mm. we've played bad quarters... Things have got out of hand really quickly. Like they've been mm. really bad quarters. And it's only the first term, the only disaster, in terms of, yeah, first quarter, the only disastrous one was that Cats, which yeah. would have probably seen us out. Let's take, what did we kick? One goal. One goal to let's seven, say, is it? Let's just say that takes us to 51 and that takes us to 34. So what's that going to be? I don't know, 350, 240. We're about effectively in first quarters a, oh dear, 51, 34. We're about effectively a, 17 goal better side collectively. So we're about, um, you know, two and a half goals better on average per quarter okay. in the first terms. first terms. And obviously we were, what, six or seven goals down in the first break. <laughs> uh, not the case, though, on, on Saturday night. Let's talk a bit about one of the most entertaining matches of the season. Uh, six goals to five in the first quarter. It was 6-1 to 5-4. So the Giants... Mm-hmm thought for, for the most part, it's sort of, it's a bit of the opposite of what's happened to us in recent years. Uh, the Giants had a lot of the field possessions, 20 inside 50s to 10 I've got here, yet 
we kick six goals to five. Normally, yes. it's the other way around. It's yeah. nice. It's nice yeah. to shoot and, and even on the other too. foot. And the red time goals were a bit of an annoyance for me too, because it was six goals to two, wasn't it? Yeah. And they copped a couple there, one, you know, five seconds before the buzzer. But normally, we're, look, in general, we normally can see those types of goals anyhow, don't we? Those buzzer beater ones. Um, I found it interesting, though, with that there, if I can just find these numbers again. Oh, where do they go? Where did they go? I'm uh, trying to see. We love our red time stats, don't we, Matt? Well, you you well, it, it depends how we define yeah. that. So so you like the yeah. well, you like the red time. I'm I sort of go with the last three minutes of the quarter. And obviously we could see mm. a goal in the last 10 seconds of the of the quarter to, <laughs> to Canelio. That was great. We also conceded a goal in the last three minutes of the second quarter to Toby Green. And uh, we conceded one in, in the last four minutes of the, of the fourth quarter to, to Green as well. So that mm. really took head again. I'll, I'll let the last one slide because it was outside that three-minute window. Uh, but uh, on quarter time and half time, coughed up two mm. goals. And I believe... Both sides struggled in that, did they? Well, did Both we... sides struggled in that red time things. Well, we, we did seven goal. goals, five in red time, though. Now, again, definitely uh, red, red time, time is very... The, the yeah, 20... yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 7-5 to 7-4. So we won that by a solid point. It was really easy for, for a lot of teams to score, or for, for both teams yeah, to I score. Could, I couldn't believe the ease for us in the first time. We've never seen that before. No. And even this too, here we go, speak of the devil, this is something we don't see anymore, or very, very rarely. 14-4 from set shot. Since when does that happen? That was nice. No, that we considered 12-2 really nice. as well on the sets. So. <laughs> but um, and even more pleasing, shots at goal. We had 34, and we converted 67% of those. Again, normally the AFL average is about 52, 53. So that's a uh, oh, there you go. Well done, dogs. But doesn't uh, normally happen, does it? No, no, it doesn't. It was it was a weird. It was a great game for for a neutral, but a weird in a, match in, a, in an offensive in an offensive way. Yes, it was gorgeous to watch in a defensive manner. Oh Jesus. There's one question we've got from Uriated. from one of our regulars <laughs> win. So it seems it probably seems an appropriate time to. To, to bring this one up and, and put it to you, Nick. I know you really wanted to, to unpack this. So the question is, what do you guys think about the good old shootout win? On one hand, I'm not thrilled about how easy it seemed for the Giants and particularly Toby Green to score. But on the other hand, our offense looked as good as it has been this year. But is that reflective of the quality of the opposition, Nick? Now, I've always thought, and every coach is, is a little bit different, but I remember Brendan McCartney Back in 2013, uh, after after a game where we beat Adelaide, and I, th- I think it was very that similar. Was both round 20 or round 21, something like that. Yeah, both teams both teams kicked over 100 points. Uh, Tory Dixon kicked six, I think, that day. That was a, uh, that was a Sunday afternoon. I can't. That was yep. the 440 game. Or three, uh, that was a, that was amazing. That match actually. Yeah, I think it was Adam Cooney's 200th as well, or something like that. But uh, anyway, anyway, right. uh, McCartney spoke after the game about what he. He was interviewed after the match, obviously, and was asked about what he thought of the, the style of, of game. And he wasn't overly thrilled with the way that the match played out. And that that struck a chord with me because it made me realize from that point on that what coaches will see, and I suppose to, to an extent fans will see as well, is that there's two ways to win a game of football. Only two. You can win a match by outscoring your opposition or you can win a match by conceding fewer points in your opposition. Now that that mm. sort of sounds obvious, that, but it that but, was a four forty game actually, and uh, it was Cooney's two runs. Yeah, uh, for you, Matt. Um, 
20 goals, 11 to 17, 12. That's a Sunday, August yeah. the 18th. So very similar in terms of the way the game was played and, and, and the scoring and, and the amount of goals that, uh, that were kicked by, by both sides. And it sounds obvious to say you can either win by scoring more or conceding fewer. But the way you prefer to win, I think, says a lot about the, the mindset of, of how you want a team to set up. Now, we hear all these conversations these days about the state of the game and, and how I suppose there's a, there's a fair portion of fans that are unhappy with how the game has sort of gone into more of a defensive, has adopted more of a defensive mindset. And it's all about team first and everyone getting back and, and making sure that the opposition don't get a run on and, and score goals and rules have been brought in to try and counteract that and such. Just before we get into the, the question from Mitch, just on a, on a personal and, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that will sort of answer the, the question. But are you someone who prefers for a side to really go go on the front foot and get forward and score a lot of goals, or, or are you more uh, a fan that prefers to get the defence right first and then move move from there? To me, it depends on first of all the the basic strength of what the team is built around, like potentially. Let's go back to the early Rodney E days for us, 2005-06. That team would not be able to defend itself. So its best chance at securing a win was and had to be a shootout. You know, we were not, we might not be able to keep you, you know, it's like the old Malcolm Blights for, for the Cats in the, in the early 90s, you know. We might not be able to keep you to less than 100, but we will back ourselves to at least score one more point than you. And that's what Saturday night seemed to remind me a bit of, to be honest. And I don't know if it's, I don't see it as a, as a proper sustainable style for the way we would like to to play. Because generally a lot of those scores that the opposition got, uh, let's have a look, where did they happen to come from? And it, it did annoy me a little bit, actually, as not just for the ease of the goals, but it's ironic because I thought we would have considered a lot more, a lot of goals via the uh, via stoppages, but it just seemed to be more the ease of where, how the ball was able to move forward, more so than the actual scores that they got. Incredibly, we actually kicked 10 goals, six from stoppages, which is absolutely absurd. You know, that's more, and, than, that's more than half our score as well. Yeah, indeed, it is just a tick over there. So, uh, three, three from the center bounce, two, two for the Giants from center bounces. Um, but yeah, we were plus 38 uh, overall in stoppages. We absolutely annihilated them uh, at the throw ins, kicking 45 points to Zilch. The concern, of course, comes again this way where both sides, and this is where you get these types of entertaining games of football. And it's not because of pressure, because I tell you, the game was up and about, but it wasn't exactly a high pressure standard game. You know, both sides, here you go back to my favorite pressure ratings. Uh, we've got first quarter listed as poor and average, back to below average, below average, above average for us in the third. We no doubt made our mark and back to below average for the Giants, and then below and above for the fourth, with both sides equaling a proper rating of 176 to 179 teams below. Uh, there were 19 goals kicked uh, combined from each team via turnovers, which... That's a lot of goals is, from turnovers. That's a, lo- that, that's a lot of goals from turnovers. And in general, in general terms, if you're kicking, like last year, we were the league's best at it in terms of, I don't know, what was it, getting 50 points a game via turnovers which is incredible, which is pretty much bang on what we got this week, give or take. Um, our issue is somehow we conceded 71 points via turnovers, which is definitely not going to please Beveridge in that sense. So whether that's our blokes being caught up high, but <clears throat> it was it was weird because it's not 
the traditional ways that we would have copped those types of goals, whether it was, um, say, being caught out the back. It was more from the opposition being able to move the ball a bit too freely for my liking through the midfield. And that's where it comes down to that sort of defensive zone setup. And you even probably heard post-game too, uh, Libba and McRae. I, believe, I know Libba definitely did, but they both supposedly mentioned um, that the team defence itself was nowhere near as well as they would have liked it to have been. So they are, at least they're recognising, yeah, something uh, clearly, you know, as much as we would want to play an offensive brand this way, but there's at least a fair few other things that needed to have been tightened up in, understandably. But we go back to the expected scores. Uh, we actually got pretty close to that this week. So 125, we're expected to get 127. And the margin, despite how we played, at least in the first half of my life, because it's ironic, you know, that what kept us in the game was our actual efficiency. Normally, it's the other way around, as you yeah. alluded to earlier in the piece. Where we're doing what? I don't know. It's just it's just different because the opposition team, the Giants, they were uh, they kicked a couple more goals than they were probably expected to. But look, I don't want to see a team being you know kicking ninety two points or in this case one hundred and five um, with, with at the manner of ease that they happen to do so. Um, no matter how much we score, that's what's probably annoying me for the most part. But it's just, it's just interesting that a lot of it, as it didn't come from stoppages, but via the turnover. But it's just more the fact is that they were able to probably move within one transition play. Normally, what I'd like to see us get at least two or three, try to get a stoppage in between. And if you cop one, then, then that comes back into your setups more so than players being caught out of position or you know there's just a, a breakdown in, in, you know, in chain passes where there's just a basic turnover there and everyone's just caught out of position. Um, I don't know. Do you, well, do you it's think not, it, it was good to have. I didn't mind it, to be honest. But no, I wouldn't be looking to play a game style like that often. There's certain teams you can do it against. Yep. Okay. And ideally, probably the Giants might be one of them. Um, but that's because we probably were able to just overwhelm them a bit more in the second half, especially that particular burst in the third term where they hit the front. You know, we put the foot down and yep. kicked, what, five in a row? Yeah, it would have been, yeah, would have been five, maybe even six in a, in a row. It's interesting you just mentioned that... Uh, the you just mentioned the the instance of Malcolm Blight and Geelong in the nineties, and I've seen some of their numbers in the in the nineties in terms of that's offense. And it's absolutely how ridiculous. Does, how does a team kick three thousand points or more in a season? <laughs> it's unbelievable, isn't it? <laughs> uh, do you think though that I mean, because often often it's race about the deficiencies that we have in defence. Do you, do, you, do, you, do you consider whether maybe trying to just outscore the opposition is the better way to go about it? Because we've spoken about on this uh, podcast countless times that every week we're going to concede a bag to a key forward. It just happens. I mean, it wasn't a, a – was it um, Hogan kicked three goals uh, on the weekend, but Toby Green kicked seven. So there's 10 goals between two players. Do you think that we may as well just not try to worry about that so much and just think, well, it doesn't really matter how many we concede if we could score enough the other way for the time being, um, I said, not, it's not sustainable, but because it feels like certain sides, because it feels like yeah. no matter what we do, no matter what formation or, or combination we've tried that we've always conceded bags of goals. So are we better off just, mm. just accept that it's going to happen no matter what, and just try and score as many goals as you can just try and outscore the opposition. If they kick long- five, we kick six. Uh. I'd hope so. That'd be nice to see that. But again, it depends on the opposition you're playing. Like we've got Brisbane coming up in a couple of weeks. You know, eventually we'll have the D's coming up there too and the Swans. And they're not exactly... Well, Brisbane, you can probably get away with it perhaps against doing a shootout, but I don't fancy our chances in that sense there to play that type of style. 
I'd say probably our best bet against Brisbane is, you know, a scoreline anywhere between, you know, 75 to 90 points. Hang on, I feel like I've um, heard this before. Yes, exactly <laughs> right. There you go. I've heard this one before. Uh, yes, please. Swans, though, Definitely don't want another repeat, though. That was that was too much. That was. That, that was, was, that was, was a bit a too close for comfort. Night, though. Yes, it was a bit uh, too close for comfort, though. The Swans team, I think that's a side where we probably could get it, that we actually could probably play this type of style against. I don't back them genuinely in a shootout. And yeah, fair. Even though they've got, even though they've got the personnel to probably, you know, trouble us at times, but we've seen that they're they're a team that themselves, when they're played against well-set teams or well-disciplined sides, where they have struggled to to score freely, much like us, coincidentally against you know the Cats and and even the Ds and even the Tigers too, you know, disciplined in that in that fashion, where we've barely been able to creep above seventy points, give or take. Yeah. So again, you, I think you've got to pick your target, just like how we say, you know, with certain other sides that we come up against, we need two rucks or other weeks we can get away with playing one. It's the same thing, I think, with the brand of football that's needed to be played. I think, the that, hard I think that's fair. Yeah, which side is to work it out against. But I think, you know, they'll, they'll be able to figure that out, which teams you can get away with it. How skillful did you think we were on Saturday? Because I've had a few people come up to me and and you know and say, oh, they watched the game and oh, geez, I thought our skills were really good and I didn't see the whole game. I only saw I was I, I was did watch the a, four quarters. Okay, I, I saw portions of the of of the whole match, but I didn't get to see the the match from minute one to minute one hundred twenty. But I saw a lot of instances where we were, and I'm not sure if it was the conditions or not, but I saw a lot of instances where we were really sloppy in possession. I, I can't say that we uh, were very skillful when you can see almost 12 goals via turnovers. You know? So I think that sort of yeah. defeats the purpose right there. See, I <laughs> even see there was six, six there goals was, is pretty average. But just, just an example, just an example of, um, of how, how pointless our endeavor was at times and how it was our own and how that was our own doing. So in the second quarter, I think it was Caleb Daniel lays a tackle in the, in the forward pocket on Steve Cornelio, gets the free kick for holding the ball. Then we try to chip it twice. The first time it hits the target. The second time it goes over the head of, I think it was English of all people. It gets turned over. And the Giants work their way into the pocket and Cornelio marks the ball in the exact spot that he was pinged for holding the footy. Only 15, 20 seconds earlier, he goes back and kicks the goal. Now that's sort of a, a couple of complaints. You, you wonder why, firstly, you're kicking it short on the back line. Uh, I know Cal Dan is a great kick. I'm not sure who the second kick was. I'm not going to try and guess and throw someone under the bus. I've never been a big fan of short kicks in the back line, just as a general rule. No, but it's a no, waste. What, it's a waste of Dale's effort. Really good at it, isn't he? Though, yeah, Dale's really a, good at being able to penetrate and break through yeah, those kick, lines. Daniels tries to be very precise, probably too yeah. precise at times. But this wasn't. I don't think Daniel was the one who turned it over. But I, I just don't understand what's the point in putting in that effort to lay the tackle if you if he's if. 20 seconds later, he's going to have a shot on goal from there anyway. But there, it wasn't just that. There were a lot of instances of, of players failing to be able to hit a hand pass. And a hand pass is a, a, hand pass is a really simple skill. And Unfortunately, I will throw one players, name under. Players' feet. That was <laughs> well, I, I mean, I can't remember. I can't remember exactly, but too many instances of players hand passing it to their teammates' feet and hand passing it behind them and hand passing it over their head and, a kick going over their head or a kick falling short. And I'm not sure, again, 
I don't know how much the conditions played a role in that, but it, it feels like it's been happening a lot this year. And it's very sloppy, isn't it? It's nothing yeah. to worry about against it's, pressure. It's I don't think we've been out pressured generally. No, a lot of these are a lot of these aren't under pressure or you know real pressure. Like I mean, every every disposal these days is under some modicum of pressure, but a lot of these weren't really under. They were they were errors. They were mistakes, and there were there were a lot of them for a side that considers itself a, a top four contender and has just come off a grand final um, appearance wasn't a very mm. skillful display and it feels like it's been a theme this year. And not, and this is not just one or two players. It feels like it's a, it was a collective weekend. So for as many goals as they kicked, they gave up a lot. And both, that was both in terms of more they could score and, and the numbers that they conceded. Yeah. That's, that's my concern. Even though we, well, we won by, you know, three and a bit goals, we should have won supposedly by six goals, but even then, even winning by that particular margin, perhaps, we still would have conceded 14 goals in a match. Yeah. On this case, we conceded 16, though. You can't... That's still three and a bit goals a quarter, give or take. And look, again, it's it's all it's all fine. Again, our forward line, ironically, is clicking a lot this year. At least we've kicked, what, seven games over 100 points. But I still think, of course, the bulk of our score this year has generally come from... You know, West Coast and, and North Melbourne, we've kicked, what, 200? Maybe we kicked, we've got 161, 130. We've kicked 300 points from two games this year. Now, what what are we actually on this season, if I can find that out? What are you looking for exactly? Is this... Um... Uh, let's have a look. What are we on now this year for points for 12? So 1227. Thank you. 12, 300. Takes us to 927. How many games have we played? We've played 13. Uh, 13. Let's divide it by 11. So this year, at this point in time, we're averaging 94 a game. You take out the North Melbourne and West Coast encounters, that drags our average down to 84 points. Okay? Not great. Now, I'm not going to remove the other teams because those two sides are the ones where you can sort of say that they're better the outliers, generally. Yep. Um, but yeah, 84 points a game. Now, defensively, in that sense, what we can see then, we conceded, what are we on now? Well, in, the, in the north and the 1, west coast games. Yeah, we can see so what, we can 71? 60 and, and 71. So, 131. Right, so, let's do that now. So, 904 divided by 11. It's 82 points a game. Do you really want to see a scoreline most weeks of 84 to 82 in terms of points for and points against averages? Well, yes, We're, because then it means we win every week. That, that is true. Okay, so lovely. We'll, we'll, we'll sneak into eighth spot then by that yep. reckoning. It's, but then we'll, we'll sneak our way to a premiership because we'll keep winning by 84 to 82. Exactly. Exactly right. We're going to so play, we found, you know, so we the bus football. We found the, the way to win it. This is how you win a premiership. You score exactly. 84 points every week and you concede mm. 82 points. And then we win by two points every week. Hmm. The eights, oh, sh- actually, no. We would finish on top of the ladder because we'd be 22 and zip. And then we would win. Exactly the right. Run. We'll be showing, we'll be channeling, or Beverage will be channeling his inner Jose Mourinho. And also we'll be, you know, giving the two fingers to David King's 8,600-point little spectrum. Uh, uh, yes, yes. We, 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 we'll be we made a mockery of that, didn't we? Speaking of the, of the goals, what did you make of the performance of... Yugel Hagen and Shaki alongside Aaron Norton. Now, this is something I've been calling out for for weeks. Yes, we, we've, been, the, we've been sharing it on. We've the, this this probably actually verdict is in. Contributes ironically. Oh, the verdict is in. The verdict is that this is it. Man, we're going on to the flag now. But it's oh, interesting. Nice. What I'm wondering, where we've had three key forwards 
yes, we obviously offensively looked the best we have this year. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that probably the Pies game is the only other game that we would have. And I'm not talking, you know, the belting of North and West Coast because who cares? Um, I think that perhaps it depends where we've had those particular turnovers, where whether they were in the, you know, in the midfield zone or whether they might have come in the or in our forward half. And that might allude to maybe as to why the ball was able to go from end to end as quickly as it did. Three tools, only one of them is able to really lay any amount of forward pressure. Waitman, you know, playing off one arm for the most for the rest of the second half. And maybe it makes sense as to why the game became a lot more free-flowing um, on the Giants' perspective against us. Because for the ones that actually seemed like we actually had to earn our, oh, not earn our goals, we actually got to have a bit more ease, or ease with the manner of our goals. Um, it's not that theirs weren't easy, but it just seemed a bit too fluent. I'm trying to wonder if that's coming down to that particular bit of structure of the three tools. But look, offensively, yeah, we're, we're very happy here at the Salty Bottle to see uh, three tools. Um, well, obviously, we'll be very happy to see particular particular tools being named where they make an impact. And Shaki was good. He's a beautiful kick by foot until when he hit the post. But in terms of seeing him deliver the ball inside 50, awesome. Or Jamara, same thing, delivering the ball inside 50, precision. These guys know how to use the footy. So this is what we've been calling for. And they get the space for Norton, don't they, to lead into. If Yes, and that, that that's another thing as well. And it takes the heat off Norton as well. They can't yes, double, triple team Norton because there's other players they've got to worry about. Yeah. This is, this is exactly... Mean, doesn't mean the other two are fantastic, but yes, you've got to still pay them respect. This is exactly... If you decide to hammer on to Norton, the other two blokes can take advantage. Nick, this is, this is exactly why yes, we're calling we, for this. Yes, it, it's so, just... Uh, look, the point is, at least, look, what we need to do, this is what Beverage, Beverage loves to talk about things in the, in the media. What he needs to do is make a petition to the AFL that we will that the Bulldogs will only start the AFL season, or the, no, the league should only start the season from round 13 onwards, because that seems to be when Beverage coaches best. Round 13. Uh, that point of the se- round 13 onwards, that's where he seems to stop with this makeshift rig and roll. That's, that's, that's when it starts to backs. click. All right. This is when it clicks. So, so we're now next 10, everyone. So Norton with five goals. Six marks, five of those inside 50. Eugle Hagen with 1-1 one, one from eight disposals, two marks inside 50. Shaki with uh, just the one behind from 10 disposals, six marks. What's happy with him? Six tackles for Shaki. Any insight, if you don't mind, do you have were any of those tackles inside 50? Uh, two of them the were. Of two of them were. And that's interesting. So it's a pretty interesting balance. Two inside 50, but four around the ground, and normally they'd be probably around. So, so Shaki spent – Shaki was – the like Shaki, I suppose, was the center half forward, so he was the one that was getting up the ground a bit more. Norton and that's and exactly Hagen, where we like him, don't we? Yeah, yeah, we like Norton as center half forward, but in terms of to be honest, you'd probably prefer Norton to be center half forward, would be, but in terms he's, of those three players, it made the most sense to play him probably as the deepest, yeah, unless it's oh, like yeah, a Bruce yeah, yeah, that yeah. you bring yeah. Norton back up front, yep, up the ground, in terms yep. of those players' attributes, yeah, because Jamara is obviously not strong enough to play as you know, as a stay forward. at home. No, yeah, he's not. And, and nor is Shaki. No, but it, it but she, worked well, didn't it? It. So, what would you if? What would you? So, what would you rate it out of ten in terms of the way that that forward line functioned with those three? And it, and in addition to that, do we persist with this going forward? Is it something that we can look at and go, yeah, well, we we have to keep going with this. This is this is the formula now. We've been calling for it. We've seen it in action. Is it actually been? Has it actually been? 
has it been what we we hoped it would be? Mm. Were, were we onto something with this when we were calling for it, or were we just think, a bunch of nuffies? Oh no, we're never nuffies here, mate. Uh, I think nah, I think I honestly, hand on heart, because sometimes I call for things and I get them and they, and they just blow up in my face. But I think we're onto something with this one. I think this is something that mm. I think this is something that we've got to persist with. Pick the right type of player. Wait for when Bruce uh, you know returns, and then I'd stick with the three forward structure. It's just a matter of potentially whether we do one of two things, because this again comes down to whether English is again staying as the sole ruck or not. And it looks like again that is the case. Obviously not this week, but in general that is the case for this season. So we either do one of two things. Bruce comes in. We either drop one of Jamara and Shaki or potentially keep Jamara up front, let him grow, let him develop and see, and let's confuse the poor guy and Shaki a bit more. And perhaps he might be able to make his name defensively back again, where he was a very sound intercept marker if we need some actual support. Or I wonder. You, or you keep Jamara and Shaki in the forward line, you bring Bruce, you want to play, and you put you Norton down there. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> uh, look, the fact is... Well, you want to show Shaggy down. He's a very good... I could consider that. Because... Like, how, I mean, I know Norton is nice ball doing we like very to have well. Best ball users. We like to have good ball use down back, and Norton is exactly pretty shoddy by foot down. Yeah, well, I I'd mean, much rather see him kick the ball across the face of gold and kick it directly into an opponent's hands, <laughs> at, you know, from full backs. <laughs> Yes, he's, he's very much a, he's very much a swim between the flags in the in the back line. Norton, as good as he is, he's got a lot of strengths. But uh, yeah, when it when it drops to the foot, yeah. Oh, but no, I mean, no, it I suppose somehow he's, works. Suppose somehow his debut works. year, he, he did keep things very uncomplicated. With the he didn't mm. try. I, I can't remember too many instances where he tried anything that you know he just could not do. He very much kept between his limits. In the same way, Gardner does by foot. Just, he just takes too long to get the ball down to his foot. I think. It's a, it's a long Unfortunately, way I get so many heart attacks. He is improving though, but my God, uh, when I see him being one of the distributors, I'm thinking, where is Daniel? Where is Dale? Where is Williams? Someone get the handball. <laughs> it always feels Someone. like it's always feels like it's it's uh, in the hands of one of the worst kicks going around. Sometimes, doesn't yeah. it? O'Brien having a taken a running bounce. This is about to get run down. What are you Goodness. doing, son? Goodness. I'm I'm really thrilled though that the that the opportunity and that the the partnership between Norton, Hagen and Shaki worked and was effective. Well overdue, mate. Well overdue. We were we were saying unfortunately it came at the expense of Karmas, but we were calling for it definitely in the lead up to the Caps yeah. game and probably earlier, but it made sense for that game. You need it. Yeah. I think I think we needed to we needed to know whether it could work. That was it because there's between those three, it's a pick one, a pick two, and a pick nine. But this is some serious high end potential that we've got on the books. And we've got, we, you, you should be trying to build a team around your top picks. I mean, that, that's, that's what every club should be doing, really. So we needed to give this an opportunity to see if it could work. It can work. Now we've got to stick with it for, for as long as possible. And I know Bruce coming back, and we'll, we'll touch on Bruce a bit um, afterwards. We'll, make that difficult but i think we needed to to see if it worked we know it can and i think now we've got to persist with it until the till at least until bruce comes back we've seen it work last year admittedly with you know three tools in that sense and here very different players of course with bruce norton and english yep there really isn't any legitimate reason as to why it can't succeed especially when you've got players like norton 
Then you've got players eventually like Bruce returning. We've still got, as you say, talented prospects in, you know, Jamara. And then, of course, there's, you know, Sam Darcy still, you know, in the VFL, who's who's coming along very, very nicely there. I'll pull and the I'll pull Josh Shackley, who's, who's confident enough, isn't he? He yeah. can. He is AFL stand. I don't know. He's not a great AFL, but he does deserve to be on an AFL list. Okay? And I'm hopeful it is still with us. Regardless of what goes on, I'd still be giving him um, a contract extension anyhow for Shaki. Maybe a bit more for, um, you know, key position side of things, but I'd still happily have him on our list regardless because he's he's not a bad option to have as, yeah. as you know break the glass or, or such in that sense you're ticking off all the all the points i want to i want to get to a little later on nick with uh, vfl and, and contract extensions and, and co we'll definitely get to all of that but i know you you before the show you asked me to you were very clear about this you were adamant. You, yes. You told please. me. This, that's you the told me to, let, us, let us enjoy this, please. You told me, Matthew, whatever you do, I need you to I need you to set aside time for me to talk about Riley West. Like I'm not doing the episode unless you give me a window to talk about Riley West. So I've I've made sure I'm gonna give you this opportunity now, Nick. It's the floor is yours. You can you can you you, you just go for it. Now I'm just gonna sit back and, and listen to you talk about how good Riley West is. I love this though. This is beautiful things, isn't it? You remember how it was, it might've been a month or so ago, probably a little bit further back, Matt, where we were talking about West and how I brought up the idea of saying, well, we were talking all these you know, small forwards and whatnot, but I'm saying the particular attributes that West has, sure, he's got a midfield brain and all these other things, but the, the tackling now contested side of his games, his tenacity, aggression, it's exactly what you want in a small pressure forward, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it ticks, it ticks a lot of boxes. It ticks a lot of those boxes, okay? Again, the pros outweigh the cons. The other cons, you know, there's still a bit to work with there. Obviously, he's not got a lot of height or, um, or different levels of strength, but he's got very good core strength that allows him to protect the ball, you know, when it's coming towards him in the air. And he does have a very, very nice set of hands, doesn't he? Yeah. And of course, it's just going to be a little time before he does play as a midfielder, and that'll be the case anyhow, you know. It's just a matter of, again him being one of those players that hopefully puts pen to paper. So uh, Sam Power, please work your magic. Well, I, I think... I definitely don't want to see us lose Riley West. I don't know about you, Nick, because I don't know Riley personally. But if I'm just going off no, case studies... Of, of, <laughs> if I'm just going off case studies of father's sons, there are very few who want to leave the club when they're playing regular football. The only one that comes to mind who's left while being a... a Set in stone member of the best 22 was, was Gary Ablett. And the, the circumstances behind that one were extreme. Let's, let's be real here. But I can't imagine if Riley West is playing every week, he'd want to play anywhere other than the Bulldogs. Hmm. Like just a name, just a, team, form. It's, just a team it's perfect, off the top of my it? head, St Kilda. Would he rather be playing 22 games a year at the Bulldogs or 22 games a year at St Kilda? I think if that was, if hmm. that was the choice, it'd be the Bulldogs every time. I, there's nothing with the St Kilda one. It was just the first team that came to mind. But I don't think hmm. he'd want to play anywhere else. If, if he can get regular football at the Bulldogs, he'd take that over, over regular football anywhere else. So I'm not so worried about his future now as a result of that. No, it was just play. more for game time, wasn't it? For you? Yeah, but that's, that's the, the only we, concern. We wondered, the only clue was as to, look, again, Beveridge, they all have their reasons. And of course, we aren't privy to certain things inside the club, clearly. So they do know what is best, no matter what we do say. 
That doesn't mean we can't. That, that doesn't mean we aren't allowed to question things. Of course, you know that doesn't make us yeah, bad nice. fans for saying, you know, oh, why don't they do this or not? Because everyone's trying to figure out answers and they do it in the best intentions. Yeah, but it does make you wonder why wasn't he picked a fair bit more last year? Now, obviously, there were other parts of his game which don't seem to have appeared this year. You know, hogging onto the ball a bit more or trying to take a player on a bit as much. Um, it seems a lot less complicated the way that he's playing. You know, it's more sea ball, get ball type stuff. Yep. More so than a bit of, you know, razzle and dazzle, which he is very much capable of. And he might, we might be able to see that particular side of him maybe maybe by the end of next season, touch wood if he's still, if he's with us, um, by the end of next season where he might be able to be phased a bit more into the midfield side of things. So mm-hmm. we might push a couple of other players out, you know, like you got to think this too, like come another couple of years, um, I'll probably, we'll probably be seeing Bonds become that third tall when Bruce probably finishes up, give or take, in another two or three seasons. That's what Nick, I'm thinking. don't plant ideas. No, no, that's what head. I'm thinking. Though. No, 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 no. You know who replaces but, Bruce? An actual key forward. I want to have this. this no, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, oh, what, we're going to have, we're going to have Darcy and Norton and then Shaggy. Stewart. And Shaggy and you, Lager. The land of the joints. Oh, yeah. yes, we're going to we're going to five key forwards up there. I love that. And English. We still won't be able to take a mark between them. <laughs> um, we'll keep we'll keep kicking it to Tom Stewart. <laughs> indeed, we will. Oh, God, those. Uh, oh, I'll tell you, that's I, one thing, too. I get I'll what touch, I get. i on this so quickly, though. Yeah. Very quickly. Nick Haynes has always torn us one, hasn't he? He's always yes. destroyed us. Yes. Uh, he, now, I we think had our was, wonderful uh, three-tall forward line. And how many marks did he take this weekend? Two. He only took two, and his career average against us is oh Jesus, twenty two. Uh, let's just take <laughs> let's just take it around. Uh, let's take it around to eighty two divided by twelve. He averages six point eight three. We held him to two. Okay, that That's makes a, a big difference. A lot. Uh, right how many marks? 80, 82. Oh, I reckon before, he took for Saturday. I reckon he took eighty of those in the in the prelim in twenty six seed, and he took the other two on Saturday nights. <laughs> did he take in that pre, that prelim? Oh, yeah. He took fourteen. There you 14, go. Uh, sorry, he took eleven. Sorry, not four. Looking at kicks. So, yeah, so then. that that's the other thing that I'm sort of talking about oh. when I say it takes the heat off off Norton having other key forwards. There is that you've got other Someone's key forwards. Be respectful to them. Don't Haynes has got to focus on Shaky or Eugle Hagen. He can't mm. just focus on on flying from the side and taking the ball. He can't think, oh, well, mm. Sam Taylor's got Norton and there's no one else I have to worry about. He's got, mm. actually, he's got to actually show some respect to the other key forwards that are there. There are many reasons why having multiple key forwards in the forward line is a good thing. And I'm really I still glad couldn't get over it a chance. I'm, I'm ecstatic. I'm very pleased, mate, too. I'm still be... wondering how on earth that our tall forwards weren't the ones taking the marks in the first quarter. It was the small <laughs> forward line, wasn't it? Taking the high flies. Well, Cody and of the midgets. Well, Cody Waitman with uh, he can't seem to crack that that five goal barrier just yet. I thought he was a he was a sure thing to do when he had five goals at halftime. But then of course it wouldn't be a Western Bulldogs game without an injury to a best twenty two player, and there were a couple of them unfortunately. So we'll start with Waitman. So th- this one is just this one is ridiculous. I think this one tells you just how much the guy loves his footy. We know he loves playing his footy. We're, we've, that, that's and been it tells well established. You that he's not a he's not a diver per se. He's not a soft football. No, well, no, I mean diver. He's I not mean, a soft footballer at all for those. I think. I mean that that can still be that can still be put to uh, that could still be put out there if um, if you want to make that suggestion that he's a he's a diver, but he's definitely not soft. 
I think anyone who comes back onto the ground after dislocating their elbow, I think is really desperate to get a game of football. Maybe had visions of that sixth goal and thought, no, nah, I've got to get it out there. But that was, that was fantastic stuff. I'm not sure whether the fact that we already had uh, activated the sub made a difference there. But so I thought that that was really, really gutsy of him to come back onto the ground after that. And, and not just run around, but actually have an impact as well. Made a couple of tackles and got his hand on the footy a few more times. Mm. That was really good. And uh, he may well still play this week. I think they uh, they just want to check a couple of things. I'll see if I can, uh, I'll see if I can get it up here. But I, I wouldn't rule him out of playing this week either, Cody Whiteman. Unfortunately, no, they'll I, leave him till they'll leave him till probably Friday afternoon. So they've said. So this was uh, this was according to uh, the head of sports medicine, Chris Bell, who unfortunately we've had to quote way too many times this season on the on the salty bulldog. Uh, so he's uh, said that in the second half of the game, Cody landed on his elbow and hyperextended it. This caused the joint to dislocate. Lovely. We were able to relocate it, which significantly improved his acute symptoms. We stabilized the joint with tape, and he courageously returned to play. I think significantly improved his acute systems meant. Uh, I think that 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 roughly translates to his arm looked the way it was supposed to look, um, which is which is obvious. <laughs> <laughs> obviously a good thing. Uh, scans have confirmed that he has damaged some ligaments, but the bone structure of the joint is okay. We will work through a process with Cody this week to determine when he returns to play. So, not a not a definite he will play, but not a definitely won't play. So that that's one to keep an eye on throughout the week. One who definitely so would be suggesting no contract drills this week for him. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Uh, no definitely contract not. Rules. Uh, unfortunately, somebody who won't play is Taylor Jaray. Uh, now, there's good news and bad news with this. Uh, the let's start with the the bad news is that he has suffered mm. an ACL, a high grade injury to the ACL with that spoil attempt in the first quarter. Which, correct me, Nick? Did Toby Green get a free kick for that? For front Wait, did, did you, sorry, did, I have no. Did you say ACL? I said MCL. Well, I, MCL. I meant to say MCL. Oh, that's the MCL is part of the ACL. Because because that, that, that's the good news that the ACL yes, is yes, fine. Thinking, no damage yeah, to the ACL. Re- did he just his knee? Yes, it is. I can't believe that. Yeah. So it's amazing that we're now um, we're very thankful for a short term injury of only two months. Yeah. So Could six to, worse. Six Could to eight worse. weeks is uh, Jure's time frame out of the game. So. If he manages to follow that schedule, uh, there's every chance that we'll see him return to action in the last month of the season uh, prior to, to finals, assuming that we get that far. Mm. So to say his season is over. I hope he's another player. I do hope he's another player. Power looks after though too. Yeah. Because he is out of contract. Too. I do hope Power does does the right thing. Not because just because of injuries, but he is still the best 22 player. And yes. we haven't got any particular player on our list that could replace him as well as they should or would no. hope to. No. And the other one was Tim English. Now, he so he played out the match, but he suffered delayed concussion symptoms after the, the tackle in the, uh, I think it was in the first quarter, with uh, being brought down by Braid Pruce. Um, he was fine during the game, developed a headache afterwards, uh, according again to, uh, to Chris Bell, and showed signs and symptoms of concussion in the post-match and won't play. So he enters the concussion protocols. Now, a lot of people have uh, pointed out the fact that the protocols are 12 days, is that you, you, you've you got to be out of action for 12 days before you're allowed to play after sustaining a concussion. The problem, though, is that within the 12 days, we play twice. So we've obviously got this week against Hawthorne, and then the following Thursday, we play the Lions. 
So I've done a, a little bit of looking into this and trying to figure out exactly what it is. So according to the AFL's uh, guidelines on this one, so this is on the AFL website, under the guidelines, the earliest that an AFL or AFLW player can return to play after a concussion is on the 12th day after the day on which the concussion was suffered. So that means that on the 12th day after it suffered, you can still play. It's it's 12 days from the incident rather than from 12 days after it's been diagnosed. So the incident took place obviously on Saturday, the 18th of June. So if I've got this right, I'll just have to double check to make sure I definitely do. So the 12th day after the concussion was sustained will be June the 30th, which is the day of the Brisbane match. Now you can return to play on the 12th day. So assuming that he passes all of the necessary protocols and tests that they'll that they'll clearly want him to pass, and I expect they'll they'll have they'll want him to pass, he will be able to play in the match against Brisbane. So all things being equal. He'll miss the match against Hawthorne, but that will be the only game he misses. So for those that uh, have been asking and inquiring about that, that's the state of play with English. He definitely misses this week, but under the guidelines, he will be available to play against uh, Brisbane, or at least he, he isn't isn't automatically ruled out. Mm. I want to go back onto to West a bit briefly, though, here. There's a very interesting forward mix that we haven't had a lot to do with, you know, in recent weeks or even for much of this year, that three, not just the three talls, but three particular smalls for at least the second half, wasn't it? Having Whiteman, having West and having McNeil there. And each of them are very, very different types of small forwards, aren't they? They are. One, no, one does like to fly. One's got a bit of zip, got a bit of energy, but one's and also got you know, the pure aggression as well. You know, McNeil's more of a goal sneak. West is, you know, a contested bull. And Whiteman's the high-flying pressure forward in that sense. That doesn't mean West doesn't pressure, but, you know, he's probably got another level on West in that in that regard there too with his tenacity too, yeah. to chase the ball more so than hunt the ball. I think it's a big difference, you know, chasing, chasing it and hunting it per se. But, you know, I, I would love to see, provided again he's right, that is definitely a mix that can work. Because I've said it to you before, there's the manner of how you have your forward set up. You either have the two talls or you have a medium and you can go with another small and then a couple of quick players. If you're going up with three talls, but two of them happen to not be exactly, you know, speedy, but they've got to have other attributes that allow them to say, like, press up the ground or deliver the ball and so fifty quite well and drag their opponents, you can get away with it by having such tools, by having particular small forwards that, yes, they've each got different attributes, but their collective attribute, you know, makes up for those things that are lacking in those tools. And that is, yeah. of course, keeping that blinking ball in or in the sense of saying, we're actually going to make up for the lack of their marking power. And that's what they can do. We've seen West can do it. We've seen Whiteman can do it clearly. So it's really weird to have seen the, the small forwards become the key forwards technically on the night <laughs> and having, and the key forwards um, being the distributors. This is the Western Bulldogs, Nick. You should not be, that shouldn't surprise you that our key forwards are not uh, six foot two and six foot three hmm. or six and four upwards of. No, it was a very, very strange game, though. It was. <laughs> In so many ways, it was strange. Let, let's, let's change tack then. Let's talk about a different game. Let's talk about, oh, I don't know, uh, Footscray in the VFL. Yeah, why not? Seems a, seems a good game to go on. Just, just completely at random. 
seven, sorry, eleven nine seventy five to eight eight fifty six at whatever they call it this week. Uh, Icon. Icon. Uh, <laughs> Danny Carlton. And now this, you're going to love hearing this. And when I say it, I, I mean it sincerely rather than when you give me the old, oh, you're going to love this number, Matt, which, you know, I never, ever do. Josh Bruce, three goals. It does warm the heart a little bit, doesn't it? Here's something that you're not going to love. The only multiple goal kicker of the night. <laughs> Crozier McPherson, Hunter, Sullivan and Lewis, each getting on the on the scoreboard. Hunter found 30 disposals in, in the VFL. Crozier with 27, Garcia with 27, but Dendo with his new role across the halfback slash wing, which is not a bad spot for a third tour forward to be playing. 23 disposals. Sullivan, you know, is shoring up that rookie spot that he'll definitely get at the end of this year with 22 disposals. And Cody Rock with 20. And, and one name I've got to mention here, Sam Darcy took 13 marks, which was a game high. Now, the obvious question, the, the obvious question, Nick, gravitates towards Bruce and Hunter. Do they come in this week? I think that's, I think that, that's the obvious question that everyone's going to be speculating about. Do we see them return this week? I don't see Bruce returning this week. Could I see him return the following week? Perhaps. Do I see him definitely returning the week after that? Yes. So I'm just wondering, Hawthorne game? No. Brisbane game? Potentially. Sydney game? Yes. Okay. All right. Now, I'd be still ticking maybe potentially, you know, 70%, but I wonder, because he's done already a fair bit of running anyhow, uh, generally, even in the lead-ups to the particular VFL game in question here. So it's not like he needs to get up to scratch in that sense. It's just more him getting touch once again, more yeah. so than, you know, minutes under his belt particularly. Uh, Hunter, look, again, no issues with him in that sense. It's more um, him again getting the, not match fitness, but, uh, you know, remembering what the ball feels like. And I'm not talking 30 possessions in that, in that wise. I'm talking more setups around the ground, finding his feet that way. Supposedly, he was a little bit uh, off his game despite the amount of touches that he was able to acquire. But, no, again, it's, if worst case for him, it'd be one more week and then straight straight in. And then after that, um, it's just a matter of, do you think we can afford to get away with not playing him in this week? So, are we talking Hunter? I'm talking Hunter. Bruce, I'd say give him another week. Just let him let him be right because we've got now three tall forwards magically in our forward line, don't we? So, so just, just with Hunter, I'd, I'd stress that I mean, we love Hunter. Obviously, for, for a large part of his career, he's been a significant ball winner, premiership player, playing the grand final last year. Uh, so, and, and we've, we recognize in his absence in 2020 just how important he was to us. Uh, what I would say about last year, though, I would exercise caution on just how excited we should be about his return. Now, it's not to say we don't want him back playing. This I'm talking purely in terms of a footballing how does it all work since? Because um, he wasn't in great form last year. And remember, and I'm, well, I'm sure we haven't forgotten, he was meant to be dropped on the first game of the season due to poor form over the preseason. Now, he's obviously taken some time away from the game due to um, some, some mental health issues that he has been facing. How much of an impact that's had on his football uh, is, is left to speculate. Um of course, and that that may well have been contributing to, to some of his on-field performances. So I just exercise caution that we're not going to have, that we may not necessarily rather 
have the the superstar of, of 2018 and, and 19 that we remember just finding the footy will. We may not have that back straight away. So I just, just want to get that out there. With Bruce, he is someone that is a key forward that's that's very agile, very good below his knees. We know that he's got that about him. Uh, and, and we saw that on countless occasions before he... Uh, before he did his knee last year. He wasn't the sort of key forward that would be out of the game once the ball hit the ground. He could still have an impact. Now, he moved reasonably well on Friday night. I would say, though, that he still looked like he was holding back just a bit when attacking mm. the ball and when when going for the ball, when it, when it was sort of at ground level and when he had to bend down. That's not a question. To... Yeah, that's not a question on, his, on him at all. It's just more for, you know, there's something just... Quietly nagging that, him at the back that's of a his men- mind, isn't it? Yeah, that's a mental yeah. block. Like, because he still moved well. Like for the most part of the game, he'd still move well and change direction well. But there were just a couple of times when he just sort of you could just you could just see he just sort of went no, nah, no, not doing it there. I'll bring I'll bring these up because you will like this actually. And this time, and I'll make you mean it as well. <laughs> uh, here we go. Hayden Crozier, kicking efficiency eighty six percent by foot. Sam Darcy, yes, you mentioned, of course, set 13 marks, five of those intercepts. Uh, we'll keep rolling a couple of a couple of others ones. Cody Rock, six rebound inside 50s as well as yeah, Hang on, 10 marks. wait a minute. You'll have to, six rebounds inside 50. Yeah, I'm sorry, you know what I'm trying to say. Six <laughs> no, re- what's it called? Six defensive rebounds. I think, they're just, I think it's just rebounds. What is it? Just rebounds. Or rebounds. 50. Well, I say rebounds. I, I assume rebounds. everyone knows that that means rebounds from the defensive 50. But if he's that's rebounding it, it inside 50, inside 50. That, that's one hell of a kick. That. That's it. Uh, what else can we do here? Uh, Jordan Sweet, we like this. 30 hitouts, 10 to advantage. Okay, that's good. Uh, what else do we like? What else do we like here? Uh, let's go Josh Bruce, of course, uh, three kicks, a hundred by foot, of course, all three of them being goals, which is fantastic. And we can keep probably rolling off another couple of other ones here too. What about, what about, uh, Garcia? What have you got for me yes, on Garcia? Okay. Oh, we don't like his numbers by foot though. 38%. Okay. <laughs> uh, what we do like is the eight clearances and five score involvements and nine tackles, as well as 16 contested possessions. I believe that so was his first game ball. back from the injury as well. Perhaps, but we like him very much. Again, he's a mm. probably more of a, we have 6 million midfielders and he's probably another one of them. Everyone's a halfback or a mid. But um, so yeah, let's probably eventually make that mid, or that wing spot his own in the future, perhaps. Maybe another two years, I'd say. Garcia? I think so. Not I'm not, Bedendo? I'm not fussed. Bedendo's another interesting option. Let's just see where I can find him. Oh, lovely. 35% by foot. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Great. Okay. Let's maybe move on from the, uh, the disposal efficiency oh, by foot. Let's get, to some, let's get to some questions. Let's get to some questions. Uh, we already answered one from Mitch Wynn. Here's one from at Wocott. Uh, from from woes. So with Sam Darcy playing in defense in the VFL, do you think that we seek to develop him in that role? Uh, or do you think that like Redpath, Norton, and other forwards spending time down back is a tactic to better his play as a forward? I love this question. I, I really love this question. And now I reckon if I had one question to ask a, a, a football person at the Bulldogs, be it a coach, and an assistant coach, or even Sam himself, that would be the one I'd ask. If I only had one question that I could ask them, it would be about Sam Darcy and whether this uh, this uh, period they've got him playing in the back line, is this temporary or, or is this, have they just sort of 
are they making this call now that they're just going to persist with this, with him playing in the back line? Because he's what been reasonable. You, what do you want it to be? What do you want the answer to be, Matt? Because I've got my own opinions on this too. Okay. What do I want? It's, that's a really good question because uh, what do we question. need because, then? Because let's, let's I'm not sure. That. What do so, we need? Well, it, it really depends because I, are you asking what do we need now or, or, or are you asking me to anticipate what we might need in five years' time? Right. What do we need now? We need now a – I'd say now we need a – we need a key back now. Yeah. All right. Now, what about five years? Because I'm definitely in the position of, yes, I agree, we need a key defender now. What I'd do you say think in five years' time. If I'm going to try and anticipate what we might need in five years' time, I'm going to say we need a second ruck forward option. So there'll be no Bruce in five years' time, let's assume. There will be a Norton. There, there will, will be a, Norton. a Jamara. There'll be a Eugle Hagen. So we there's two. There could still be a Shaki, and I hope there is a Shaki in there. There could years be a Shaki. Seriously. There might, I really do hope so. There might not be an English. There might not be an English. That's not a that's not an absolute guarantee. He may well be here, but he might not as well. He might retire after five premierships. You never know with us. <laughs> it might be the way to go. But I still think that you'll want a second ruck option, even if English is there. And Darcy is 207 centimetres. He's as tall as English is. So that's what, that's, what I, that's what I think we might need in five years' time. Hmm. Although having said that, our key defensive stocks in five years' time may that's not be what I'm, that's what, either. That's what I'm looking at too. I'm thinking not only for the now, but within the next five, I wouldn't mind seeing Darcy's name lined up at centre-half back. Look, I would have no problems with it personally. I think Darcy's shown himself to be very good as a as an intercepting defender. He's mm. clearly he very can tall. defend. He can probably he can, defend. And he can that's defend good. as well. Like we, we knew he could play as a forward, a ruck, and a, and a defender. And look, this time last year, I was probably saying, well, you know what? Let's get him in as a defender. We've got enough forward stocks. We've got enough ruck stocks. We are deficient down back. Let's pick up this guy and have him be a defender. So I was I was a little bit surprised when they started him down back. But it was it was kind of a nice surprise, to be honest, that they that they went down that path. We've seen how hard it is to be able to acquire a key defender. It's it just like as this is a key forward, but it seems like the market for key forwards can be accrued. The idea of landing yeah. a key defender is a lot, or draft-wise or free agency-wise, is easier. So it maybe makes sense perhaps to throw him more forward. But I said in terms of what we do need, not only what I want, it probably saves us the draft assets and capita to be able to focus on other things and plug the hole. And maybe again to perhaps say, draft another developing key prospect up forward. Whilst Darcy is, you know, going to be 22, 23 at that time, 24, and he'll be touch wood lined up pivotally well, enough back. And you try well, getting through 207 centimetres right what there. What type of defender would he be, though? Would he be a lockdown or would he be an interceptor? Darcy. Oh, dear. Because, there, because that's the other thing. I mean, you can, say. How many defenders can do both? How many defenders can you think of at this point in time can not intercept at will, but. Well, in the competition? They're very, they're very good interceptors, but they know how to defend. They're not just uh, reliant on their game plan. Like I'm saying, Alira Alira, you know, his game plan, his best strength is based upon intercept defending. Can he actually defend? No. Uh, all right. Well, if you're, uh, I, I assume you're asking across the competition, um, but Keith can do both. Starting Just starting from home. Stephen May is probably the best of the competition in terms of being able to do both. 
you know, what he is more on his defender than less intercepting. But yes, but he exactly can def- right. he can intercept. Exactly. He definitely he exactly. can. He is he is a lockdown. He's a lockdown by nature, but he can intercept as well. There's no doubt there. Mm. Um, Oh, I'm trying to think. What about Tom Stewart? He's an interceptor at first. What's he like as a lockdown defender? Not too bad at all. I'd say he's a better lockdown defender than McGovern. I'm not saying McGovern's a great one, but I'm saying in terms of their best attributes, but they're still he's still adequate enough to do that type of thing. There are many, yeah, but I, I think wonder. you need. I think, but I, I think you don't. You don't try and get someone who can do both. You get one mm. who can do one, and you get another who can do another. Mm. Like, like the let's let's take is, let's can take Darcy be mobile is he's mobile is he mobile enough to fit into this zone defense and again it depends not saying other things but you know a new coach within five years time let's just potentially just say that you know yeah plays a different brand of football i don't say what beverage put through maybe beverage is still coaching five years maybe he evolves different levels of game styles perhaps we'll see yeah i don't think you can answer that question now because darcy still has a lot of growing to do as as a physically as a player you're going to become 220 centimeters. My God, oh, imagine well, that. I meant the other way. <laughs> I, I meant, I meant, I meant that way rather than I meant going from the the width rather than the height. But anyway, um, here's one from Mario Systemus at Mister M Enquire. With Tim English out, Sweet surely comes in. But would you risk Martin too if he is available as well? I uh, no, well, Nick's he's meant to be back this head. week, isn't he? Martin? Martin's still a test. Martin's been a test for the last month. Oh, we forgot to mention this too. McLean, he's meant to be back. He he is, yes. So well, now that you've you've gone through it, we may as well mention the the injury list. So obviously there'll be no English, there'll be no uh Jeray uh, this week. Toby McLean is available to play in the VFL, which is fantastic news. Uh equally Equally delightful is that uh, Mitch Hannon will play within the next fortnight, as reported by Mitch Cleary um, on, uh, on Channel 7 on Tuesday. Stefan Martin is a test with that shoulder. Um, I'm not sure what sort of tests they've been doing for the past month, but it's still a test. Latham Vandermeer is two to three weeks away. Charlie Parker's one that's gone under the radar. He is out for a month to six weeks with a hamstring, according to the Bulldogs um, website, which is a bit of a shame. Um I am a big fan of, of Charlie Parker, but uh, that's that's the injury wrap at the the moment. And well, while the on the question, subject of uh, Mitch hmm, Cleary, uh, Buka Karmas and Mitch Hannon have both signed new one-year deals as well, uh, taking them to the end of next Nicely season. Nicely done, S Power. Uh, back on sweet. Yeah, look, for this week, it'd have to be the case. Yep. And you can probably get away with it again too. Um, I'm probably going to need it more so I've forgotten who's Hawthorne. Who's Hawthorne's main rucks at this moment? Oh, they've had a they've had a they've had a couple of uh, injuries in the ruck department. McAvoy's a bit um, McAvoy's a bit so so to potentially play. Okay, that um yeah. So I'm not sure on the, so I know McAvoy's obviously been out for for a lot this year. I'm just going to have a have a look at it got, now. They've got so, Gunston and Mitch Lewis returning up forward. I'm sure Lewis might pinch hit a little bit. Yeah, but in terms of rucks for them, oh, I wonder. I think it may well be Ned Reeves. Is Reeves still fit? That's that's about the only option, but I'm having a sus here. Uh, let's have a look. Even they've got another option, potentially Max Lynch, you know, but he's again, yep. test for concussion. But uh, that looks to be about it. It's probably Reeves. Did you mention Gazinski? Physical. Uh, no, but he's, well, he's playing all over the place now, isn't he now? But he's playing up forward and he's played down back in the past. I wonder. 
Yeah, it'll so be probably the ideal. It'll probably be the ideal Ruckman for Sweet to come up against. I think. Yeah. Either Lynch or Reeves. So yeah, I would say no to Martin unless Sweet is injured as well. Uh, so the only reason you'd have Martin playing is if there's no Sweet and there's no English. I, I think that's and then just so, and so no just have Thomas and no Norton and, and, no, and no Bailey Williams and Dunkley. Yeah, I think I think Martin is very much break glass in case of emergency now. I, really, I think Martin was born in for 2021. I don't think he was really. I mean, I think they kept him because they couldn't get anyone else in. Um, but I'm not, at least he got to 200 games. I'll, I'll say that for him. You know, so, so good stuff. Uh, but look, I'm happy we had him regardless because he'll be a, a good. Again, he's already proven to still be a good addition to the coaching staff. We've seen English come yeah. on in leaps this year. We've seen Sweet, you know, actually start yeah. to show a, a fair few more signs. So something's obviously working in that in that regard. Uh, now, has uh, one from David Gibson at DM Gibbo. Has West cemented his spot in the side? I think we well, we touched on West a bit earlier, but i got to give that one a yes. And I hope so, please. With Crozier getting plenty of it in the seconds in recent weeks, is he the replacement for Doherty? Oh, sorry, not Doherty. DeRay. He called him Doc. If, <laughs> if he's playing as a lockdown, then perhaps. If he's not there to lockdown, then... We don't have many who, actual. Who would you go? I mean, I thought that I thought that was the obvious one. When I was thinking about it, who comes in? I well, Crozier. Who who else? Hmm. Who else would you consider? And that's the thing. There's no one else you really could properly consider, other than not that I want them to, but other than Ed Richards. But I don't want him to. But you still got to bring too, in he's someone. Too attacking. Yeah. So so if it is two changes, it's at least two changes. Sweet for English. Crozier for Jaray for me. And in terms of Waitman, my backup options are either Garcia, Bedendo, or Wallace. Who was wearing sleeves in the VFL on Friday night, but unfortunately it wasn't an AFL match. So there's no addition to the Hall of Fame there. Sorry, Mitch. You've you've got to be doing that with the big boys if you want to to get into the, the, the big boys club, I'm afraid. Uh, but uh, we're, we're still keeping an eye on that. We notice that no one in AFL is actually pulling their weight around. So um, don't worry, we're watching that. Uh, here one from Byron Bay Bulldog at Michael Sapri, or Sapi rather. Should Norton play at centre half back? We've discussed this one at length. I think. Uh, I, I, think I am I think, still. I am still in the addition of uh, full forward or centre half forward, ideally. I think I. I, I still. Th- oh, look, I've said this plenty of times. Norton is a very good forward. There's, there's no denying that, um, but I think there's plenty to gain from him playing in the back line there, still. There would be. I just need to see. Again, I know you mentioned too, if the other two players were developing as forwards, it'd be easier with Bruce as ever. We just saw how good the three of them were, you know, worked together. Yeah. Anyhow. That's fair. That's fair. But ideally, but, um, yes. If, if worst, not worst comes to worst, but if we had to, like the only reason what would make me throw Norton down back is that, um, no, no, the last time we said something were the last time we said something <laughs> about particular players. Um, not gonna, I'm not going to do that, but you can sort of probably guess to where I'm alluding to in terms of what it might take for Norton to, to go down and back, perhaps. Yep. Yeah, and, I'm not uh, going to just say it. <laughs> and uh, finally, here from SP at uh, Planet Red Mania, given how this year's gone, such going, what areas should the doggies focus on during a trade period? Just finally. Lockdown defender, please. Yes. You know, see if more forwards, tear us a new one. We've only got a, that was our bane. We've only got a couple of minutes. How much longer do you reckon Keith has got? 
I, I hate to say I hate to say I'm seeing a decline two. in Keith, but two more after this year. I think you can push two. Maybe another one. I think you can push two though. I, just I hate to say I'm seeing. Him. Yeah, I hate to say I'm seeing a decline in Keith, but I did hmm. notice that. Hmm. Yes, yeah, so he's always been a bit slow to return back from injuries, though. But he has been a good footballer. He has. I think that's all the questions. Unless you had one that um, you wanted mm. to put to me. Mm. Other than, of course, yes, the usual ruck or the usual key defender. Um, but that's, again, more trade. So trade, again, key defender, trade, again, ruck. But in terms of drafting, yes, I wouldn't mind seeing another mid, but I wouldn't mind seeing a lockdown defender come through to the club. I had a name for you, but Please. I don't think it's a – Jed Buslinger. I don't think he's yeah, a lockdown. I've heard, that. I've heard that name. But I would like that. But we'll see. We'll see. I think, though, that's going to be it from us for another episode of the, the Salty Blog. It's been another long one, but we had a lot to unpack. A lot of injuries, a lot of goals, a lot of disposals, a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of contract news. Everything's going on. Uh, so we needed to give ourselves extra time to, to get through it all. Nick, I want to thank you for, for joining me. It's great having you on the, the podcast. It is a blast, isn't it, genuinely? Much better after a win, of course. Absolutely. To anyone who wants to listen to previous episodes of the Salty Bulldog, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the Footy Live at Vice Sportsmate are the route to go with. There's also our social media channels as well. We're getting very close to 900 uh, Twitter followers, and by very close, I mean 899 now. 899. It's it's pretty close. Uh, So be sure to be that 900 for us. We'd much appreciate that. There's also Facebook, uh, Instagram, and our website as well www.thesaltybulldog.wixsite.com forward slash home. He's been Nicolai. I've been Matthew Donald. We've both enjoyed having your company with us today. We look forward to seeing you again next week, but until then, take care.